to the Wellbeing Rebellion, the podcast that's changing workplace cultures for good. We're your hosts, Ngazi Wella and Obehi Alafoje. Let's get this rebellion started. Hi, Rebels. So, anybody who caught the episode 53, where we were talking about whether or not anybody still cares about workplace well-being, will know what we're talking about today, right? We are going to find out if your company's well-being strategy is truly effective. Well, when Obi stops rustling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> like, are you trying to like, mess up my forward, intro, like, man? What are you waiting for? Then, I'm waiting for the rustling. I'm waiting. This is my moment. Sorry, You're spoiling my moment. <laughs> I don't think you should. Let her embarrass herself with that rustling. Keep it in. That was her. Professional. Hey. Anyway. Just <laughs> <Adjusting> my headset. <laughs> are we ready to proceed? <laughs> it's Friday and I'm ready to. Okay. Right. Okay. So just how confident are you? that what you have chosen as your well-being solution, what you are implementing for your employee well-being strategy is actually working. That's what we're going to find out um, because it's imperative that you as business leaders, as HR and people people, you prioritize the mental and physical well-being of your employees because a happy workforce, a healthy workforce, are more productive, more engaged, and more loyal. Aren't you sick of having to pay recruiters like my husband to find you new people when you could just treat the old ones really, really well? So creating a culture of well-being, it requires a holistic approach. It's not about, we say this till we're blue in the face, don't we, Obes? Yeah. It is not about your one-off annual events. It is not about whether or not you have flexi working or whether you have anchored days in the office. It's about embedding good, positive, mental well-being practices into the very fabric of your organization. It's like I said last time, remember, I coined this, so none of yours is having it. It's the four Ps. It's the people, for sure. It's the processes that they work through and use. It's the policies that you draw up to support the people and the processes. And it's the place. It's all four. You have to regularly conduct surveys and interviews. You have to find out really what people are thinking as well as going through the rest of it, like providing the uh, upskilling of your employees and your leaders so they can provide preventative support and also get the policies right. It's all of them, right? It's like a jigsaw puzzle. Every single piece counts. Yeah. So to, to help you gauge the effectiveness of your organization's wellbeing strategy, we are going to treat you. We're going to spoil you, my lovelies. We're going to share our proprietary 360 Aurora 360 framework model to help you gauge where you're at and what gaps you may have and how you can start to correct some of them. 
We're going to do that only because we love you. Definitely. So the Aurora 360, if you have not come across this, where have you been? Hmm? Call yourself a loyal listener. Call yourself a super fan. You don't know where it is. I'm inviting you to take the Aurora 360 quiz. How effective is your company's well-being strategy? This quiz is going to help you to assess your organization's current state of play when it comes to employee well-being and also identify areas for potential growth and improvement. And by working towards a really comprehensive, truly effective, sustainable well-being strategy, then you can enhance employee satisfaction. You can reduce turnover. You can do all the things you need to do that will ultimately lead to the business's success. You can be the superhero of your own story. And remember, it's not just a nice to have. It's a strategic imperative. You must prioritize the well-being of our employees and build a thriving work environment together. So have a look at the show notes and take that quiz. I urge you, I beg of you, take this quiz. Take this quiz now even. Pause the podcast, go and take the quiz, and then come back. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. To you. That's a really good so, idea. Take the do quiz. It. Do it now. Do it now. Take the quiz, come back, and then carry on the podcast. And if you still want to have more conversations about it, or you want to see where why you scored low in certain areas, because obviously it will be more specific, then you can book a call. There'll be some button at the end of your quiz that says, schedule a call. So you can schedule one with me or Ingardi, and we can go through why you scored, how you scored, and what you could probably do, or any quick wins that you can do to at least move things along. So that's a really good idea. Take the quiz, pause, take the quiz, come back. And we'll see mm-hmm. you again. Okay. Right, so... Because we're not visual on air, we're just purely oral. You're going to have to listen in very carefully, people. But the Aurora 360, we've made it as simple as possible because (laughs) I have a very simple mind, (laughs) right? I can't understand complex too much. They blame the ADHD executive dysfunction, whatever. But it's just for parts so imagine comprehensive well-being as a circle it's a circle and not a line meaning any of these four steps will need to be passed through continually it's never unfortunately my loves well-being is never done it's an ongoing process so imagine a circle broken into four quadrants or If you like, I'm picturing it now, I can't help it, a pie or a cake. I'm picturing a cake with four gigantic slices. The very first slice is what we're going to talk about now. And that is your first step. It's what we call discovery, right? We're calling it discovery because uh, too many people make assumptions we're all guilty of it. It's a shortcut. We, we just want, uh, listen, and when I, when I f- sound like I'm, I'm having a go at people because they're taking shortcuts or trying to speed up this process, 
I promise you, I'm as guilty of impatience as anybody else on the planet. I actually have a diagnosis to support that. I really like things to be done quick, but I know this, and by this I mean good mental well-being, isn't something that can come quickly, right? But we make assumptions when we are looking at how our employees feel. We get the survey, the annual survey result in, and it'll be like a fair to middling score. There may be pockets of discontent. And we, we make assumptions about, therefore, what we need to do to fix it. But it doesn't quite work out that way. So discovery is absolutely critical because we need to understand how our employees actually feel. Not how they necessarily say they feel, but how they actually feel about working for our company. Where do they see any issues or gaps? Where do they think the support should come from? What improvements are they looking for? So that's discovery. It's, it's something that is necessary um, to be able to provide targeted, that's important, make sure you're sending help to the people who need it when they need it the most, targeted and then effective, i.e. it's not one and done, it's actually going to have a lasting effect over that employee's, um, would you call it a work, a career life cycle? Yeah, that's it. Um, so if you want to provide targeted and effective interventions, then you have to commit to truly understanding what the issues at play are. And that's through a combination of quantitative and qualitative data insights derived from employee feedback, right? I mean, we always say it, you have to persuade with facts, not feelings, and numbers are significant. They offer a measurable foundation. So the quantitative data that you gather from your annual surveys, from the um, the the insights that you can get from systems that you might have in place, they are fa- they are very important. I'm not saying that you don't have to do them, but I'm also saying that people, well, what's the way I could phrase this? Stories sell. So we need that qualitative input too, right? It helps to provide context and uh, give individual perspectives. Yeah. And I'm going to add that the cross section of your employee in general. So you're not just targeting the people who come to help all the time or the people who are in a well-being tool, a well-being champion. You you want to make sure you're getting information from managers. You want to make sure you're getting them from frontline staff. You want to make sure you're getting them from people who are very engaged in the organization. So however you put them together you just want to be able to make sure you're at least hearing from a cross-section of your people now the one that covers everybody is always a survey right that's the quantitative one collect data you just analyze easy to do the qualitative data you cannot do it for everybody so it's just a really small sample therefore are you going to sample leaders this quarter are you going to sample your frontline are you sampling admin are you sampling marketing are you sampling a combination of the corporate um, departments like marketing and HR, are you doing that? Could it allow people who are similar level 
to have conversations about what their struggles are and whether they see things similarly or differently. But going to that way, you can find what I call problem spots. So anywhere or department, they're particularly struggling for some reason. And all of a sudden, you're just realizing why they are struggling. They're not feeling heard. They're not being listened to. Or they do have a problematic leader leading them. Okay, so that's why it's really important to be able to do this. And I will say three times a year, not necessarily the same quantitative data, but just different groups of people that you are having conversations with. You you might want to splice the groups differently. Perhaps there's demographics that you need to look at. How are your ethnic minorities, your yeah. women, your millennials versus your Gen Zs and X and blah, 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 blah. I don't even know which gen I am, but <laughs> I think I, 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 I heard somewhere that we're probably um, a generation called the lucky ones right? because we almost straddle the the um, cultural war that's going on between the millennials, the millennials and the gen. Did you say X? Gen Z, um, actually. Um, so, I, and I do count myself as lucky because I, I have got I feel like I've got a foot in both camps both, I can't yeah, understand both bits but yeah. anyway whatever you can you can you could do that kind of information to find out is it is it generational is it racial is it gender yeah. is it disability is it what yeah what is the issue uh, actually just one more just an example I wanted to share actually because when it comes to this discovery I think every I don't know any HR group or business leader they say oh they're not familiar with it they know it I think what they try to do sometimes is to do it by themselves or to just put some survey you just download it from somewhere and then send it through. Um, I'm not saying they don't always work, but there are certain areas that you might want a specialized focus on. So, for example, one of the um, law firms that we're working with, because of the 1% report that came out that says that um, only 1% of partners, senior partners, were black in a in the law firm in U- UK, of course, a lot of law firms are wanting to improve upon that number. But it would be very easy for this company, this firm, to just say, right, uh, we're just going to go with the recommendation that was made on this report and just go with that. They could easily have done, but they decided not to do that. They decided to be able to survey and to understand, to perform a discovery process of their Black and Asian colleagues because they needed to know the stories behind it. They needed to know the information, what is happening in their own law firm, as opposed to what the report already said for around the UK. They didn't have to, but they chose to do that. And what how it resulted in is getting more information they would never have been able to know. They got our own people experiencing this, this and this on a daily basis, and this is how they're maneuvering um, the world of work, right? That was important for them to know. Now, it wasn't easy. It's not easy to hear. It's not easy to see it. But it is a brave thing to do. It's a courageous thing to do. And it's so important. Otherwise, any solution you put on the back of a data you collected that was faulty will not work. So it's very important. Collect the data as accurately as possible and as diverse as possible. Because whatever solution came from that 
will solve the problem. But if they're mismatched, it won't work. And then you'd be thinking, well, like, we gave them all these things we supported, but it didn't mm-hmm. work. And the return of investment is not factual. It's not, it's not what we expected. Yeah, because you've got a solution for a problem that you didn't have. Mm-hmm. Right? Shameless plug here. We help. Like Obi said, we we not only conduct the the surveys we can help you with our consultancy we can help you figure out what's the best way for you to do this discovery sometimes you might know what to do but you're still not the right people to do it because frankly I don't want to go and talk to Janice from HR because she's she's there all the time but I will go and talk to an external consultant yeah I will go and talk to someone who's independent and whose job is to anonymize the data and feed back to the organization um, so I don't feel like my own position is at risk. So I can speak freely. Yeah. But if Janice from HR asks me, I'm just going to say, yep, fair to middling. And, and, it, and it's very natural. So it's not like uh, there's anything wrong or you mean that you're not nice people or you'd listen mm-hmm. and you keep it confidential. That's not what it's about. It's just, just how people are. There's a reason why... Um, Therapist, when we do that, people come and share things with us that they won't tell their own families because it is it's, it's risky sharing, it's exposing, mm-hmm. it's vulnerable sharing with somebody who knows you or knows your day to day or works with you. It's easier to share with a stranger or someone who is designed to hold that space for you. So it's not to say that you can't do it, you probably could. Um, with a department that never heard of you before. But there's something about the fact that, well, are you going to go and tell the senior manager? Are you going to tell my boss? So there's a level of insecurity that that can bring up. So the best mm-hmm. thing is to take it off the table. Then nobody thinking, should I trust, should I not? Like, how can I answer this question? Should I, I do it favorably or not? It takes it off the table so people can say exactly. Remember when we said actually how they feel, not what they think they ought to say that they feel. Because mm-hmm. without the data, and it might be hard to see it, it might be upsetting for a lot of some to some to see it, but it can only you can only deal with a problem once you know what it is, right? Like going to your GP mm-hmm. and then telling them you got a ache in your arm, but you didn't tell them the one about in your on your breast, and then they're fixing the arm, but actually that's not a problem because you were too embarrassed to talk about your boobs, for example. I don't know why I use that example. I don't I know why I use that analogy. And I don't know why I'm giggling like an 11-year-old schoolboy. Because <laughs> your poor GP isn't going to be asking, to be fair, could be asking everything, but it only got 15 minutes. So if you yeah. ask me about my arm, I will tell you about the arm. But I wouldn't mention mm. there's other pain somewhere else until mm. you ask me point blank about the boobs. Then I go, yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> she's just We're got boobies on her brain I got boobies. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is yeah. maybe you've done a survey already you've had a, a a good stab at analyzing the results uh and you think you know what to do next again we can support you to figure out what the next steps really should be mm-hmm. we can have a look at the um results that you've put together for a fee of course and to advise <laughs> what your best next steps are for an effective strategic response. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 
that's the that's step that's one. Discovery. The first slice of the cake. Yes, is it's a nice piece discovery. of cake. It's tasty and it's inqu- it's it's inquisitive. It's, if you're curious about your people, you'd love that part. If you're not curious about your people, you're going to hate it. So, but if you're going to hate it, just get someone else to do it or call us in to do it. But don't <laughs> don't pretend that it's part of the thing that you've got to do that, but you've done it, but you haven't really done it. So the second part is a bit everybody loves. Ricky, the awareness. So the second part of that cake is the awareness cake. Now, this stage is the one that is designed to elicit buy-in from everybody. It's the one that says, hey, we care. At this company, we care about you. At this company, we support your career investment and, and progression and all that stuff. So there's something that says everybody's aware of it from... Shop floor to boardroom, right? Everybody's aware of this thing. It demonstrates um, a, a kind of uh, mental health issues, for example, that you care, any support, DEI, whatever is inserted here. The thing that said, we're just having a conversation about this. We want you to know that we're open to having conversations about neurodiversity, about menopause. Look at the awareness state. It's a bit people find, oh, interesting, and let me go with that. This is the ones that usually um, the one-hour webinar are designed for, the talks. This is what it's for. It's the awareness part. It's the, let me give you a little taster of what this is about. It helps the senior leaders to feel like, at least for the population of the whole population of employees, to see this is where their heads at, this is what we care about at the moment. Okay, so awareness. Look at the bit everybody does well. Annual well-being mm-hmm. days, mental health awareness days, menopause day, international women's day, time to talk day. I can go on and on. I'm, I'm thinking I might just do that. Um, but you get the idea. The bit, it was brilliant. It's a, good, it's a brilliant stage to have or to do. Because when you have new employees who joined in the next year, you want them included again. So it makes sense that you're going to add more a lot of these things because it tells new people that it's still where we're at. It tells your older employees that says, oh, yeah, we still care about things like that. I've been meaning to get in touch with the EAP about this other thing, but I forgot. So it just brings people back together again. Okay, so it's also the bit around mental health first aiders, if you've got them, or champion. This is the awareness as well, because it allows people to go and find out who the first aiders are. And for the first aiders themselves, who are obviously limited, limitedly trained, that word, limitedly, that word? Uh, no. No. Trained. <laughs> hmm. They have limited oh, training. training. <laughs> they have limited training on well-being, on mental health, they're supposed to signpost, they're supposed to listen and time for, but they still have a day job. They're not, they're not paid to do this role. So the idea is for people to feel they're comfortable with Tony from the next department. That's really what that's about. And for Tony to know who people are, that's why, again, awareness. But also to provide mental health training for the whole organization. Again, on our webinar, this is where they're relevant here now because it allows people to focus on specific issues and specific areas that they might be interested in learning more about. Okay, so that's what I wanted to share in terms of awareness. It is a sexy part. It's the, it's the one that feels like you're planning a party. That's what this feels like. 
and everybody yeah, gets it. Well, HR gets trashy. it by the staff. Employees sometimes are thinking oh, another one, um, but it gets people back on the table as best as possible. Mm. But then there's a another. The yeah, so we've got empowerment. So this is the third one. This is the juicy. It should be the biggest slice of your uh, well-being strategy cake. But there's a part of me that would never want to feel like this is the biggest slice of the pie, it, of the cake. It's not. It's equal. But it does probably have more waiting <laughs> on it. I don't know. But It the, definitely has more waiting. More waiting. Statistics back that up. And also, this is the part that probably costs more money, really. Mm-hmm. And I think the bulk of your investment around employee engagement will fall here, I believe. So look at the empowerment piece. Look at the state that actually helps to change behaviors. So you've identified issues with your discovery and the challenges that people are going through. You have an awareness that brings everybody's attention to the, the, the problem and the potential solutions that you're trying to do. But this part is about the actual change in behaviors. People can't change behavior in 90-minute talk. That's not how that works. Never does. That's not how people learn. So you need an opportunity to train, learn something, implement it, do it, fail, not quite so it fits me, try something else. So these are done through powerful, proven coaching techniques. Okay, it's a bit like when I have to train people on how to use a particular type of technique, like CBT, for example, in my clinical days. I couldn't have done that in a one hour then. They needed time to practice it on real client or real patient, right? So this stage is designed to have the most impact on company culture because it's being led by the people in the middle who are expected to support the others. So these are your middle managers. Because they are gatekeeping everybody else. So when we think about uh, company hierarchy or even company org chart, you can see, you know, less people on the top and then it filters down. But you have the people in the middle who are holding the fort between the top and the bottom of the of the tier. So it's important to empower your middle managers, right? People who are directly influence or in position to influence other people therefore they need to be trained supported as best as possible to maintain a company culture that you have all agreed that is your way forward it's empowering them in that position of influence to identify normalize and manage mental health issues in the workplace or challenging behaviors in the workplace and calling those out Okay, whatever the situation would be, but they require skill to be able to do that in a way that's inclusive, in a way that's empathetic, in the way that doesn't put other people's nose out of joint where people leave an organization because they had an untrained manager leading that team. So that's the empowerment piece. So you want to think about mandatory executive mental health coaching for those managers or the most seniors of managers, because if they get it, then they get it, then everybody else will get it, right? Definitely start at the top. Starting at the top. Now, whatever the top means, for us, it means top of the tree, where possible. To some situations, you can't quite get your CEOs and um, equity partners to do those, but you might be able to get head of department to do certain training, because they're also directly... Um, 
have direct report of almost 20, 30 people underneath them, right? So it's important that those people have support around that. It's also providing mental health training for all team leaders who have supervisory responsibility. Because again, you don't want them thinking, I didn't know. Now, employment laws, I'm not employment lawyer, but we'll We've had a couple of them on this um, podcast already. But there's a thing that says the idea that you didn't know is not an excuse anymore. Mm. So if you mismanage somebody's mental health or mismanage somebody's um, support system in the way that it required, it, it meant that they are now in tribunal or that they were um, sort of released from their work or whatever it is, that the idea that you didn't know that you had to support them in specific ways or that your manager didn't have the right training is no longer going to be an excuse. So you're still going to get fined. So you might <laughs> train your managers so they don't put you in trouble because technically they're not the manager that will be on the docks, to be honest, because they didn't have the training. Okay, so you want to make sure that this is something that is done. Now, the other part that a lot of companies do well when it comes to empowerment is investing in external services like EAP. Mm. A lot of people have them. But then the, the question now is how effective are those EAP services that you paid for, right? And this is another call to action. Yeah. Each one of you who's in an HR people management um, position, go and check the usage rates of your EAP. And if any of you have hit double figures, have gone 10% or above, DM me because the average is so much less. You guys are paying for this service and that service, which is at a reasonably low cost per head, is able to be sold to you at a low cost per head because nobody is really using it. So if we know that 25% of the workforce have a diagnosable mental health condition, why don't we have 25% of the EAP used for that, simply? So your usage rate should be like 50%, so 25% on mental health and another 25% on general life stuff. But it's not. It's going to be more like 5 6 7%. So when you talk about a return on investment, how good yeah. is the return on investment? That's there? it. How, how are they fit for purpose, really? And have you test, because a lot of people would get them, but don't really test them out. And it's okay, because you got given the cell, right? Oh, we do this, we do this, and you say, oh, this sounds brilliant. Until your people start actually using them. And that's not, and of course, there's no way for them to necessarily, oh, actually, that's one of the things used to be collating as well in the surveys. If they're using EAP and how effective, how helpful do they find them? Because that will give you an idea of actually, why are we paying these people money? They're not even supporting our people. So one of the tests, we, in fact, one of the HR, when we say, go and check the EAP service provider you've got, test drive them, call them, ask them how many people, how long, see how long it took for you to get on the wait list for or for you to be on a phone for. Um, how many sessions you would have if you did require therapy or counselling of that nature? Um, are there specific support for family members? Could they also use it? These are information you need to have. When we're talking about uh, when you have people of ethnic minority within your organisation in diverse group, do they have uh, support for racial trauma, for example? Right? 
when something kicks off, with their support for that, just a group of people that might be affected by it. Have they have enough therapists that can do those work? You want to ask the question. That way you can say, okay, when it puts come to shove, if, they, if you need to, they can go and get some of those therapists and they'll be on hand to help our people when they need them. Okay, that's what I wanted to share. When it comes to the empowerment piece, it's about empowering your middle managers. If you know they're going to be a smaller number than the whole population, which is where you're focusing on with awareness, empowerment is a small group of people. They will cost money, but the return on investment is 9 to 1, in some cases 11 to 1, compared to when you send somebody to go and use an EAP services or CBT 2 to 1. So mm. better, the better way to put the money. Now, the question can come from your manager, which is, when do I have the time to do this training? But they will probably be more interested in training that is long-term, allows for space to learn, as opposed to when you keep dragging them into one hour this, one hour that, half day there, half day there, but they don't have enough time to actually implement that. I think that's one of the things I wanted to share in that context. So, so long as they can see the benefit. And this, yeah. again, shameless plug, is where we shine. This is our, I was going to say it's our bread and butter, but it's more than that. This is our raison d'etre, right? We have programs that are designed to enhance your leader's uh, personal development and their capability in this area. We love it. We live it. We know how to make it effective and we have the receipts to prove it as the young people say. Yeah. So make sure that you're really asking the questions. Would this work for the typical manager in my organization? And I don't want you to just think about the logistics of, well, they're never going to have the time, but is this, going to make them do the job that they should be doing so that we don't have to deal with the fallout from not having taken care of employee relations earlier on. Yeah. Right. So, so far in our cake, we're three quarters through. We've had discovery, finding out what people really think. We've had awareness getting everyone on the same page that, you know, mental health and well-being really matters to your company. Empowerment, making sure that your managers have the skills to do the tricky job of people management. The final slice of this beautiful cake is one that Obi didn't want to touch with a barge pole because she <laughs> thought it was dull. Uh. <laughs> and I said, it is dull, but it is also critical. It's the belt and braces, it's the suspenders, it's the foundation, and it's called governance, which is a very unsexy word. It really is. Like, in, oh, bore me already. It's an unsexy task, but yeah, that doesn't mean it's, it's not It still has to be essential. done. And yeah. you, in HR, this is your time to shine. This is what your function will excel at because governance, this final slice, is all about making sure that the learning and the development, the progress that you have achieved by eating the other three slices <laughs> is, is secure because you're embedding it 
in your company policy. It ensures that employee well-being is going to continue to be a priority for your organization long after the projects have ended, long after we've finished with mental health awareness days, right? It's going to make sure that you are continually testing the temperature of your organization, making sure you catch the early warning signs of an impending fever. How is that? Better. It makes sense to me. <laughs> so <laughs> governance, yeah, is all about um, really thoughtful and effective strategy. It's about securing that. And you need to make sure that you have policies. Remember the third P, policies that support processes, which would have been trained in this in the second uh, or the third slice of pie empowerment. So processes that support the people. Ah, this is the third P. Are your policies up to scratch? So we can help you by having a look at what policies you've got in place. Now, every organization will have policies, but are they effective? You need to make sure that they're actually being followed. Do they make sense still? Right? And are they, as Obi was saying, fit for purpose? Have you recently evaluated how successfully your well-being programs have been implemented? All of this is part of governance, right? Um, you need to also, this is a, this is a bit that's dry because I, I, I don't like policy writing any more than the next person does, unless you're a policy writer, in which case you do great work. Yeah, thank you for definitely. your service. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you for your service. Without you, I don't know where we'll be. Governance is the, is the area of the 360 where your survey writing lies. Is, is there a good survey that you implement in the awareness phase? as well as the policies and the assessments and all of that stuff. It's also how you measure the success and the return on investment. So what are your key performance indicators, your KPIs? What are they? How frequently are they collected? And who the hell is looking at them? And what are they doing with that information? It's all of those. That's why I say it may be dry, but it is fundamental. You cannot skip this step. You cannot. Uh, it, it's, the, it's the bit that puts it all together, isn't it? Um, yeah. Really. And the one that allows for when you have new employees start, they could allow you to go, right, is this still fit for purpose? Is this still work? Is this still clear? Um, and so the live document, technically, that you kind of update maybe yearly, um, but we're in collaboration with your people. You don't do it outside of that. Otherwise, you're just giving them rules to follow, right? Mm -hmm. So your senior leaders must be involved in designing it. So do your frontline staff. And they're more likely to live those values or live this policy that you created. And for them to be able to have checks and balances, it allows for that to happen. As boring as it is, is important part of it. Otherwise, everything else you've done will fall apart. The empowerment you've given to your leaders to be able to, you know, train and understand how to support your people and include them in things. The awareness that you've created by getting everybody on board and the fact that we did it important to us or the collecting of all that data 
wait for naught because you haven't put it in a place that allowed it to be sustainable. So that's what I wanted to share there. Ha! So, so look, we've taken you through mm-hmm. the Aurora Wellbeing 360. I hope you find it as comprehensive and clear as we intend it to be. Yeah. And I hope you've taken the time to do the quiz. If not, what are you waiting yeah. for? Go and do the quiz. Yeah. So I'm going to invite go you to find go and out. Take, yeah. Go and obviously go to the show notes, get the quiz. It's called Aurora 360 Quiz. How effective is your company? Wellbeing strategy. Very easy. And this quiz, again, will help you assess the, your company's current state, identify potential areas for growth. And, you know, by working towards something that's very comprehensive and sustainable, you will enhance your employee satisfaction, reduce turnover, all the things that make a business successful. It's your people who make them. So it makes sense that you're going to spend time trying to figure out if you're getting things right for them. Okay, so a work healthy workplace isn't nice to have anymore. I know, you know, based on the last podcast episode that me and the guys did, well-being has fallen off the agenda, fallen off the trend, but it doesn't mean it's not important. So it's not a nice to have. It is crucial. Um, it's a strategic imperative that we include that year on year about what our people are doing. So let's prioritize that. It's the only way I think we feel that you can truly maintain a thriving workplace where everybody feels that they're comfortable there. Everybody feels they can grow there and everybody can take responsibility for deciding that this place isn't the right place for me. I need to find somewhere else instead of increasing the toxicity within the workplace. So it's very important that you do that. So go and take the quiz, um, fill in your details. And let us know how you get on. Definitely. You're going to fill in your details because you have to fill in your details before you do the quiz. It's as simple as that. And then at the end of that quiz, you get a report that says this is what you do where your gaps are. If you want to talk more about it specifically, because there'll be no specifics there, then feel free to book a call with me or Ngozi. There'll be a link somewhere on that quiz. And then we'll go from there. Otherwise, just DM us on LinkedIn and um, we'll support you as best as we can. Okay, that's it from me. All right. Thank you, Rebels. Together, we can win the war against poor workplace, mental health and well-being. I feel like I should go into politics. What do you think? Yeah, possibly. I feel like you probably need to go for a break now, Angazi. That might be Probably. Yeah. Probably. So adios, amigos. Bye, everybody. Um, Have a lovely one. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wellbeing Rebellion. If you liked what you just heard, please share it with your colleagues. Follow us on LinkedIn. The link will be in the show notes. And generally, show us some love. We want to build a whole army of fellow rebels who want to create positive workplaces for everyone. Will you join the rebellion? See you next time.